friends, welcome to Log On at 11, Spurgeon Baptist Church's online presence during this current COVID season. Uh, we're going to follow what has become our usual pattern, just using a, a little liturgy to hold our worship together. If you've got a print copy in front of you, everything in bold type is what we say together. Everything in light type, I'll say on my own. If you're following on the screen, everything in yellow type is what we say together. So let's begin. In the beginning, before time, before people, before the world began, God was. Here and now, among us, beside us, enlisting the people of the earth for the purposes of heaven, God is. In the future, when we will have turned to dust, and all we know has found its fulfilment. God will be. Let us pray. Loving God, you are faithful, just and forgiving. Help us now to grasp the greatness of your love. Where we have failed to love and loved to hurt, forgive us and heal us. Where we have scorned difference, and have been indifferent to those in need. Forgive us and heal us. Where we have spoken harsh words to others and have been quick to take offence ourselves. Forgive us and heal us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Hello everybody. This week in Spurgeons, we're starting a new four-week series on the topic of sharing good news. But before we get underway with that, I thought it'd be interesting to take a look at the world sharing its news so that we've got something to make the contrast with. So I've um, just drawn together for you five headlines I've found recently. Let me share them with you. Here comes the first one. Michigan woman receives 100-year-old postcard in mail. This comes from a newspaper over in Michigan in the States from September last year. Apparently, uh, a lady called Brittany Keach received a postcard with the uh, stamp on it postmarked 29th of October, 1920. Well, there is good news in this. The card had arrived. Of course, the bad news is it was very, very late. Where on earth had it been for 100 years? What about this second one? Parrot returns to British owner speaking Spanish four years after disappearing. Now, this was from the Independent online back in 2015. And it's all about Nigel, a grey African parrot, and he'd flown away from his home in California in 2010, but had been returned to his British owner, Darren Chick, four years later, after he'd been discovered in Torrance, a different town elsewhere in California. Well, again, there's good news in this. Darren got his parrot back, but there is bad news. He'd missed out of four years of fun with his parrot. And when he got it back, it was speaking Spanish. Anyway, look at this one. Number three here, the Suez Canal blockage 
leaves Europe without garden gnomes. And I found this in the Odd News website called Oddy. As you will recall, the Suez Canal was recently uh, blocked by a cargo ship and a good portion of global trade came to a halt. Garden gnomes could not get through. Well, if, like me, you don't really like garden gnomes, this is frankly good news. But obviously, if you were someone who was wanting to buy a garden gnome at, garden gnome at the time, it's bad news. Anyway, what about this the last two, uh, a bit more serious? Look at this one. COVID-19, no further deaths, 403 new cases. And this comes from the RTE news in the Republic of Ireland earlier this week. Again, the good news is there, look, isn't it? No further deaths. But the bad news is the virus is still affecting a lot of lives. Here comes the last one. What about this? This is almost unbelievable. Brain implant firm teaches monkey to play Pong with its mind. This was in Sky News recently. And if you didn't know, Pong is a computer game. Is a quote from a spokesperson from the company developing this implant uh, device. The company is called Neuralink. And the spokesperson says, our goal is to enable a person with paralysis to use a computer or phone with their brain activity alone. Wow. There's good news in here. The lives of paralyzed people could eventually be improved enormously. But there is bad news. After all, the monkey probably did not want to learn how to play Pong. These examples of news all differ in very significant ways from what we Christians call our good news. Our good news, the gospel, is that Jesus is the Son of God and we can all repent and be baptised in the name of Jesus so that our sins can be forgiven. Straight away, we can begin a new life here on earth with the Holy Spirit to help us, having the hope of eternal life with God in heaven in due course. The Christian good news, gospel, isn't like the worldly example, is it? In two important ways. Firstly, the gospel is not ambivalent. It is not a mixture of good and bad news. It is unequivocally good news. And secondly, the gospel is always bang up to date. The gospel is always current news for those who need to hear it. All that is needed are believers to share the good news with the world. Is that where you come in? The reading this morning is from Isaiah 52, verses 7 to 10, and it's from the New International Version. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy when the Lord returns to Zion. They will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Amen.
So for the next uh, three or four Sundays, well, five, uh, four out of five, because we're going to join with the Baptist Union Assembly in uh, four Sundays' time, uh, three Sundays by the time you see this. Um, so three out of the four of the next uh, Sundays, the next few Sundays, I want to just focus on sharing good news. Uh, I think it's appropriate to consider that particular topic uh, in this Easter season, post-resurrection appearances, uh, because all of the post-resurrection appearances are ordinary people who are sharing the news that Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead. This very confusing and uh, uncertain time that they find themselves in, this very exciting time uh, where everything that Jesus had said about himself turns out to be true. Uh, <clears throat> and where the focus that he'd had uh, around his death and resurrection uh, is now, although they had assented maybe uh, to the proposition or, you know, agreed that it might be possible, now they're seeing the reality of it and it changes the way that they see the world. It changes everything for them and indeed for us too. Uh, and it's interesting to look at the way that people speak about Jesus. Um, we have uh, Mary, uh, who is absolutely heartbroken at the death of Jesus and is longing to find him uh, so that she can anoint his body and so forth. And she and her friends are given the news by the angels that he's not dead, he's not here, he's risen, just like he said he would. Uh, now go and tell uh, his friends, go and tell the disciples. And again, it's interesting that God uses women as the first witnesses to the resurrection, I think, because they are of no account. They're not important people. And you and I are not important people, you know, in the eyes of the world. We're nobodies, aren't we? Um, yeah. We, you know, we, we don't hold high office. We don't wield power. We don't uh, shape the destinies of countries or nations. Um, we're nobody. And yet this good news is given into our hands and it's for us to share uh, with all those that we live among and uh, work with um, and live with. Uh, so I want to spend a little time uh, over the next few Sundays just thinking about that, being intentional a little bit about that. Um, I just want to link what we heard from uh, Isaiah's prophecy earlier with the last G the, the last words that Jesus said before he left the earth. Uh, this is the Great Commission from Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the, the commission on the disciples and indeed all of their successors, that is you and I, uh, is to do just that. 
uh, it is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Uh, well, you're, you're not attached to all the nations of the world. You're attached to a smaller group of people. But we'll, we'll come to that in uh, future weeks. But today, I just want to spend a little bit of time maybe just considering some of the difficulties that we perceive around this great task that has been entrusted to us. Um, those of you that have been doing the Lent groups, you'll be very aware of uh, living his story. This is Hannah Steele, um, and it's the Archbishop's book for, it was the Archbishop of Canterbury's book for Lent. Um, it's a very good book. If you haven't read it, I would thoroughly recommend it to you. Uh, and it is, uh, it's a very easy read, and it will help you understand uh, that this task is not as daunting as you might think it is. And indeed, much of what I'm going to say over the next few weeks is based around this material with uh, some of my own uh, thinking and experience thrown in as well. I mean, there are a number of common objections when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about sharing our faith with others. I mean, w one of the first that comes up is I don't know enough. You know, the, people will ask me difficult questions and I don't know the answers and I'd rather not get into that, really. Um, I don't know my Bible well enough. I'm, I'm not experienced enough as a Christian. There, there are any number of things that we could say. Um, I'm not an expert, really, is what we're saying. Well, you don't need to be an expert and you don't need to know everything. You just need to know one thing, really. You need to know your story. You need to, to be aware of the story of your life. You need to be aware of when you met with Jesus, when, and, and that, <laughs> that could be, it could be like me, where there was, this, there was a sort of a God awareness always in my life, but I had no idea where Jesus fitted into the story of things, really, um, until I heard the gospel proclaimed and ex explained. And suddenly I knew uh, that Jesus' death on the cross and his rising again was what I was looking for. It's, it was the thing that was tickling my imagination. It was the thing that sat at the back of my head all the time, the thing that was pushing me to think about different things and the way I live my life and all the rest of it. Um, for others, like uh, someone who was a great friend of mine in the church where I was converted, I mean, he'd always been to church. He, as a babe in arms, his parents had taken him. He didn't know anything other than church. Church had always been there. Um, and for him, there was a sort of growing realisation as he went through his teenage years that Actually, yes, what he had sort of been imbibing with his mother's milk was the truth. Jesus was a significant figure. More than that, he was the Messiah and his death and resurrection was effective for him. So whether you had a, a Damascus Road experience or you had this sort of sense of a growing realisation, the thing that binds those together is that you have a story and it is your story, your experience. It is your history. Uh, it's the way that you came to faith. 
that really is all you need to know. And you need to know how to express that in a way that will be winsome. Uh, what do I mean by that? Uh, I was in a meeting with some folk uh, a couple of days ago uh, and uh, I was reminded, I, I saw something that a friend of mine from the army had written. It was a reference for someone who was thinking about becoming a minister and they were testing the call. And my uh, friend from the army, chaplaincy friend, talked about um, the way in which some chaplains could be social hand grenades. What he meant by that was you walked into a room and the room just emptied because nobody wanted to be around you. Nobody wanted to be near you. Nobody wanted to talk to you. Uh, now, the person we were considering was not like that. In fact, he was quite the opposite. He was a very attractive man. When he walked into the room, people instinctively thought, oh, good. X has arrived. Now that that's what I mean by being winsome. You so you have a you have a standing with your friends and your family. You have a uh, an open door, as it were, to be able to speak about what motivates you and what excites you, and and you know what you're doing with your life at the moment, because people are interested in you and they like you and they care about you. You will have one or two people like that. Most of you if not all of you, I hope all of you, um, but you will be a rare person indeed if there is nobody that cares about you. So you don't need to know everything. You need to know your story. That's what you need to know, really. Um, the second thing that comes up, and this used to come up with, with me in the army quite regularly, is that there's more than one option now when it comes to religion. And, it, and isn't it morally dubious for Christians to be pushing this one line and pushing it so firmly uh, and so enthusiastically? Surely there must be uh, other options around. Well, of course there are. Um, there certainly is more than one option when it comes to religion. Uh, are we trying to persuade others that we're right and they're wrong? I'm not sure about we're right and they're wrong, but we are trying. We certainly are trying to say to them, look, what we have found has been amazingly effective for us. We have found significance. We have found purpose. We have found meaning. And it's centred around this man, this historic man, this man who really did exist. Uh, and the things that he said and taught and did are worthy of our attention. And they're certainly worthy of you taking a look. All we ask, really, is that you take this man and his claims seriously and you examine them in the same way that you would want to examine anything at all that was going to have significant impact on your life, up to and including how you deal with your money, whether or not you can have a pension, where you invest your money, whether or not you're going to get married to somebody, blah, blah, blah. You know, if it's something that is important and significant, you spend time and attention just thinking through some of the implications. You don't just jump in. You do a little bit of work, a little bit of research, a little bit of thinking, a little bit of praying sometimes, maybe if you're that way inclined, a little bit of uh, reflecting. All we're asking is that you take this man and his claims seriously uh, and you give him the same attention 
as you would anything else that was going to be important, is important for your life. Uh, and if you want to say, well, there are there are other claims which I feel are better, then that's fine. Uh, but don't just say that to put me off. Say that because you've done the work and you've actually thought about those claims as well. And this is the conclusion you've come to after you've thought this through properly. Uh, so, you know, the, there is a marketplace for ideas. There absolutely is. And it would be silly to deny that. But our uh, our claims for this Jesus ought to be in that mix. That's really all we're saying um, to this post uh, postmodern world, uh, to this post Christian uh, society that we live in. Don't just discard everything because you had one bad experience of a, a church or a person. Just just look again. Think about the claims of Jesus. Uh, and I will help you. Uh, some of us know a little bit more about this Jesus. Whilst we may not claim to be expert, we have long experience with him uh, and we've been in his company and in his presence. And we've thought about what he said for some time. We've come to a number of conclusions and we're happy to share those with those who are genuinely trying to find their own way. And we will walk with you. Um, we're not going to try and force anything on anybody. Not interested in that. Uh, but when there are genuine questions that people want to ask, we should be ready to join in the conversation with them. So that's what I'm asking of you, friends, to be ready to take that step. Um, the other thing that people say is nobody's interested, you know, with it. Nobody's really, really interested in this stuff anymore. Well, actually, they are. They're not interested in organised religion. That's what they'll tell you. They're not interested in church structures. That's true, as in, you know, how the thing is run and who who does what where. They're not bothered about that. But they are very interested in spirituality. Uh, you find that a lot. I mean, that has been... Uh, that is that has been the watchword, really, especially for people that they they don't want to cut you off when you start to ask questions about Jesus. They'll, what they say is, well, I'm not religious. Well, that's good. We don't want them to be religious. Um, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Which I find interesting. So what does that mean? You know that that isn't a, that that doesn't close down the conversation for me. If somebody says that to me, I'm not religious, but I am a spiritual person. Oh right. So, upon what or who is your spirituality based? Uh, well, I mean, very often it will be you know or nature or the environment or you know care for the planet. Because that has a spiritual element to it, doesn't it? It does. It actually does. Uh, and there's a good place, actually, for us to stand with those uh, who have a, an interest in the environment. Um, you know, you can talk to them about creation care and how important that is for Christians. You know, look for points of contact. 
Um, so, you know, nobody's interested. Well, they are. They're, they're interested in spirituality. They're interested in well-being. It is really fascinating to listen to conversations that have been going on in the media over the last year or so. With The pandemic has brought into sharp focus um, a number of issues, one of which is, you know, the well-being of human beings. What makes for human flourishing? and it's contact with other human beings. It's the opportunity to give something to others. Singing. Singing is very important for helping people in terms of their well-being. There have been studies um, around this. Interestingly, all the things that churches do contribute to human flourishing and to well-being. You know, the sense that you have a purpose in life. Uh, you're aware that there's something bigger than yourself. Uh, that, you know, the, that we have a connection with other human beings. Um, the, all these things are implicit in, in what churches do. And, and many churches do those things really well. And when we as Spurgeon Baptist Church uh, were meeting together pre-pandemic, we were doing those things really well. And when we come back sometime later this year, please, God, uh, then we shall start doing them well again. Um, people are interested in this. They're not interested in whether or not you're a Baptist or an Anglican or a Methodist or Roman Catholic. That's true. They're not. But when they see genuine lived Christian faith where you you are genuinely interested in them as people, not just, you know, as scalps or bums on seats, but because you genuinely want the best for them. Love God, love your neighbour as yourself. That's what I've been saying to you, isn't it? All the time I've been here. Um, live as though the gospel were true. Let those two things be your handrails. So the, the second handrail, love your neighbour as yourself genuinely people respond well to that uh, they are interested outward focus helping others yeah they 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 love all of that uh, and they are interested in all of that um well and the last thing that very often turns up is waste well, it's, it's much too hard you know it's too difficult uh and i i don't want to look I don't want to look like one of those nutters that stands on a street corner shouting at people. <laughs> I don't want that either. I don't want to look like that. I don't want you to look like that. Um, it, evangelism is not that difficult if you understand what you're about. Uh, and if you don't let other people try and squeeze you into a mould that they think is the only way it can be done. There are lots of approaches to this. And I, I'm, you know, what should be our approach? Well, quite simply, friends, it's what I've been saying to you all the time I've been here. So, you know, relax. Live as though the gospel were true. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. Those are the two handrails. And everything that I do uh, on Sundays fits in one of those. Uh, under one of those handrails. Um, the bit we're looking at now, evangelism, that's about loving your neighbour. 
as yourself. God will use you, even though you are not an expert. As we were saying earlier, all you need to know is your story. How did you come to faith? Um, we're, we're inviting people to use their imagination and to engage with us uh, and to be a part of the journey that we took when we start to talk about this. People are amazingly nosy. We want to know about one another. We want to know what makes that person tick. Why do they say the things they say? Why do they live like that? Why do they do the things they do? We are notoriously nosy when it comes to one another. So when they notice that you live in a way that is slightly different to theirs, or when they're aware that you are cheerful by and large, or when they notice that you don't follow the herd, whatever it is that you know is the distinctive about you in your Christianity, they're going to want to know why that is. So how did you come to faith? How did you become a Christian? So your homework this week is just to think about that, to reflect on that. How did I come to faith? Who were the people that helped me? Where were the bits of the Bible that carried me along? How did I come to faith? Um, we need to be ready to accompany someone in their journey. And again, this is all we're doing uh, in the work of evangelism. You, you don't have to get people uh, from knowing nothing about God all the way through to being on their knees, weeping in repentance and seeking forgiveness in one five minute conversation. You can't do it. I don't want you to do it. I just want you to be available to people to help them as they explore the possibility of God being relevant to their life. Your story is an important part of that journey for them. Because it's not just stuff that happened in the past for other people, it's stuff that happens now for us. The message that we're seeking to convey is very straightforward. We are loved, we are forgiven, and we don't need to fear death. That's what we're seeking to convey with the gospel. And this is very timely. In a, you know, in a, following a year where we're starting to emerge from a pandemic and every day we've had a big number in front of us, every news bulletin, these are the number of people who have contracted the disease, these are the number of people who are in hospital, these are the number of people who have died. It's all been bad. Here is good news. We are loved. We are forgiven. We don't need to fear death. God holds us now and well on into the future and beyond our life here on earth. Take the long view as well when you engage in evangelism. You'll remember uh, the Engel scale from when we were looking at mission uh, in my second year here. Uh, and we're just looking at mission and uh, what we were doing and the sowing, reaping, keeping grid and all that piece. That'll be ringing some bells to some of you. Um, take the long view, the Engels scale, you know, where number one to ten broadly, 
Um, if you're at the number one end, you have no idea about God or faith or religion. Uh, it's all a closed book to you. Number 10, thoroughgoing disciple. Okay, so the plan is to encourage people, to help people from move to move from there, one, to there, 10. You don't have to do the whole journey all in one go. If someone moves from one to two, that's evangelism. If you've helped somebody move from one to two, you are engaged in the work of evangelism. Be encouraged. It's not hard. Uh, I don't want you to do anything uh, that is, uh, you know, odd or weird or strange. I just want you to be yourself. I want you to live as though the gospel were true. Some of the people that we talk to are going to be much further along that track. Some of them are going to be at the eight, nine, ten end of the scale. And the conversation with you will just take them from where they are, that place where they're warm towards God, warm towards the idea of people that go to church. And it's just going to move them from there right into the heart of God's love for them. And that will be wonderful for you. You will feel terrific. Some of you are gifted as evangelists. I know that uh, because because of some of the conversations we've had uh, and you will see this happen. Others, less so. Please don't be despondent. God is ready to use each one of us to help our friends and neighbours take those steps along the track. Um, some of you have got personalities which will just lend themselves to talking, talking, talking. <laughs> Others are much quieter and reticent. God will use you. Uh, he'll play to your strengths. Uh, he knows what you're capable of. Uh, and don't forget, he's with you in this. So take the long view. This is good news that we've got, that we want to share with our friends. Take the long view. Don't panic. Don't be despondent. Just live as though the gospel were true. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. Love your neighbour as yourself. People are impressed by authentic, lived faith. Uh, and I'm praying that each one of us, you and I together, will be so alive with the love of God that people can't help but draw near to us. And ask us the question, why are you like you are? When they ask you, be ready to give an answer. Tell your story. Amen. Uh, we come to our prayers of intercession, friends, and as part of those prayers, I'm going to pray for Nudrat Hopper. She's uh, heading up uh, the telementoring scheme for families. Uh, across Milton Keynes. She's a coordinator for all of that and she's looking to recruit more people to become mentors. Um, if you want to know more about that, uh, get hold of Nudrat directly and she'll give you all the detail. There, there should be a an item in the news sheet, not this week, but in you know in a future news sheet because she's going to run a taster evening for those that might be interested. So keep your eyes on that. Um, but do get a hold of her in the meantime, uh, just to find out what that's all about. So let's pray together. And we begin, Lord, by looking at the wider world. Uh, we're thankful that America is back on the world stage, taking a lead. Um, 
particularly around this whole issue of uh, climate change and uh, the threat that that is to our planet. Uh, we're also glad, Lord, that the uh, trial, the uh, Floyd trial, uh, has come to a conclusion and we pray that the result of that will cause our American friends to just think again and look more carefully at the way that they see one another and treat one another, particularly um, if you know they're black or ethnic minority folk. We pray that we too might be sensitive to uh, those around us and that we would always operate at the highest possible levels. We're very concerned here, the news coming out of India, COVID uh, seems to be running rampant there at the moment. Uh, we continue to pray for all those who are engaged uh, with trying to restrict uh, the spread of COVID, both in India, indeed all around the world. Thankful again for our own uh, folk, our own scientists and medics, all those that are working on developing vaccines, all those that are engaged with the logistics of it in terms of rolling it out and getting it all around the country. We're thankful, Lord, for the many gifted folk there are in this country that are giving their minds to this. We pray that we might see continuing success as we seek to bring this under control. We pray for Russia and for uh, those in government and for those who are wanting to see a change of government. Uh, we're very aware that there are protests um, amongst uh, folk who support Mr Navalny, a leading opposition uh, politician. Uh, we pray, Father, that there might be a, a, an open and honest dialogue in that country about how it should be led and where it should be going. We thank you for Nudrat and for her willingness to uh, be engaged and involved with the family mentoring scheme. Uh, thank you, Lord, for her gift and talent and for her willingness to put that uh, at your disposal. Thank you for those who've already uh, offered their time and talent uh, to mentor families that are struggling. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you speak to us. And if you feel it's right for us to do this, prompt us and uh, help us and enable us to get hold of Nudra and speak to her. Uh, and do all that we can to try and help and support her in the work that she's doing. Uh, we pray for our friends, for Chris, Ken, Adrienne and Hugh, Eric, Les, Dot, Margaret and Bob, Peter, Dennis and Shirley, Mary, Jay, Terry, Graham, Lauren and Lewis, Andy, Thelma, Richard, Naomi. Draw near to our friends and be all that they need in these days, we pray. We gather up all of our prayers as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. 
Amen. We say the canticle together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honour all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, rest upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.